Podcast. The Gospel according to Matthew was written by a former tax collector who was transformed by the power of Christ. Instead of keeping records for Rome, now he would keep records for God, carefully recording all that Jesus said and did. Matthew references more than 60 Old Testament prophecies, proving Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah. Jesus really is who he claimed to be, our Savior and soon returning King. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. It is that time to get started and do what we do here and look at the Word of God. I know it'll take me a minute to get you to settle down. There we go. That ought to do it. All right, folks, we are headed into the Bible this brand new year, 2021. Already two weeks in, we were hoping for a little respite from 2020 and only 14 days under 14 days. We have more cause for concern than ever, and that is why we're going to the Lord and His Word. Make that a priority, amen? Amen. Now, Father God, as we consider the eternal, flawless, perfect Word of God sent from heaven to keep us the straight and narrow path that leads to life, to always be able to discern from dark and light and right and wrong and good and evil. So we thank you, God, for not leaving us as orphans or to grope around in darkness, but giving us the light of the world. If anyone believes in you, as you said, Lord, that we would never grope around in darkness, but have the light of life. So Father, speak to us from your book your word, the Bible. Give us the hope that we need to face these strange and troublesome times. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. And of those 31,000 verses, I have found that there is one single verse that I go back to time and time again, more than any other verse, especially when my soul is stressed, my heart is troubled, or I'm in need of some comfort or reassurance. It's actually the first Bible verse I ever heard in my entire life, not being raised in the church. I heard this verse before I even knew really what it was or anything about the Lord. I was 19 years old. I was working in the city. It was a few months before I would come to know the Lord. I was on my way to work there in the financial district there to savings and loan. And uh, the bus on Market Street passed by a church, and the verse was spelled out on the church marquee, and here's what it said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Boom. The heavenly archer had aimed and shot from his throne in heaven, and he hit the bullseye, 
And that arrow, that golden arrow, pierced through the soul that I didn't even know I had. And from then on, it was game on, tug of war. Me on one side, loving my sin and self-absorbed as any teenager would be. And on the other side, pulling and drawing and tugging the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who was calling me to himself to find rest. The harder I dug in my heels, the harder he pulled. He can pull pretty hard, that hound of heaven. And thankfully, he dragged me right over the line. I stopped fighting, and then I believed. My sinner's prayer was pretty simple. I walked out of a bar. I looked up into the sky, and I said, you're, you're right, I'm wrong. And so that was the beginning of my new life in Christ. And then Jesus' word came to pass, as it does to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. John chapter 5, he said, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, he's passed out of death, crossed over from death to life, and will not be condemned, but will have eternal life done in a split second, as the writer to the Hebrews says, by one sacrifice, Jesus has perfected forever those who draw near to God through him. A beautiful thought. But also, uh, along with no worries about what happens when you die and uh, knowing that you can escape hell, uh, we have an upgrade on the quality of life in the here and now. That's called rest for your weary soul, a contentment, finding life that is really life and not mere existence. And so we're going to take a look at this grand invitation in its context. There are actually three verses. No doubt all three verses couldn't fit on the marquee, but we are going to walk our way through uh, these Beautiful words, and here it is in all of its glory, the most profound, the most moving words in all the Bible. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, nothing to fear. You'll find rest for your weary souls. For my yoke, it's easy. My burden, it's light. And so... We are going to talk about that crazy paradox. How can you have a light burden and, and an easy, sweet, the word means, yoke, when doing the demands of the Christian life? But Jesus seems to think it's possible. So we're going to take a look now, and the verses are just going to be there for us to kind of marinate our weary souls. And, and who doesn't have a weary soul? What Christian can observe what's been going on in the world and in our families and in politics uh, and not feel pressed down and weighted with what's going on around us, very grievous time. And maybe now, when I read these verses, maybe you heard the whistle of the wind as the spiritual golden arrows have flown yet again because God, the heavenly archer, has now shot hundreds of arrows out in this very room. 
to try to convince his people who have known him, known him for years and walked with him and know and understand the scriptures, but still persist in living with anxious thoughts and fears and all kinds of confusion and being unsettled and upset and just think this verse is only for first-time comers to the Lord when, in fact, it is for whenever we are weighted down from life's first cry to final breath, from the first day walking with Jesus to the day he calls us home, whoever is weighted down only need come to him over and over again to find the rest. <laughs> We're prone to wander. This is not a verse for non-Christians only. This is a verse for you and for me. And the, what makes it so beautiful and why I keep coming back to it over and over again is because there's no expiration date on the promises of God. No qualifications here. You know, uh, you know come to me when you figure it out. Come to me when you're done playing your games. Come to me when you stop being the cause of your problem. No. Just, oh, here's the qualification. Are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? Are you weary? Are you spiritually exhausted? Are you disenchanted? Are you cynical? Are you empty? Are you going crazy in all of this madness? Then I've got something for you to do. You're the kind of person I'm looking for, Jesus would say. You've got the qualifications. Come to me as you are in the whole mix of it. And guess what? I will alleviate the pressure. It will help carry the burden. I will rest you in the Greek. I will give you the peace that you're looking for. And so that's the coolest part of this. And we're already digging in now as we begin to a gracious invitation if you're taking notes, the most gracious invitation. And the thing about it is, and why I love it so much, is God knows there's gigantic hurdles, self-imposed, that keep us from enjoying the green pastures he wants us to lie down in, Psalm 23, the quiet waters. That's what he wants. That's what our shepherd does. He says, come away with me. Walk beside these quiet, still waters. Enjoy the peace that doesn't even make sense. The peace that the world can't give you. The peace that I give. The peace of God. Can you imagine the calm in the heart of God who knows no threats? He says, I'll give you my peace. That is an amazing thing. And why do we not take him up on the offer? Because we have this increasing suspicion that God's patience is wearing thin with prone-to-wander people like we are. We sense that we've deeply disappointed him and we keep falling into the same stupid, sinful patterns. We imagine God's rolling his eyes when we come to him. It's just like he tells us, you know, I've told you a thousand times, don't stick your finger in the light socket. And then a thousand times later, we go stick it in there, and, and we come crying to him. And so we imagine him rolling his eyes and mocking us and going, come on, what'd you do, you know? Oh, now look who wants comfort, you know? No. <laughs> forcing himself to make a fake smile. And Jesus will say, 
That is so far from the truth. I live to alleviate suffering of anyone for any reason who comes to me. I will give them the rest that they need. And so he cuts to the chase there, now underway with why we don't have to uh, be hindered from his presence, why we don't take him up on the offer. I mean, uh, I mean, when you fail to count it all joy or be thankful, or you know that you've said something you shouldn't have said, you didn't keep a tight rein on your tongue like we're supposed to as Christians, the last person you really want to draw close to is the face of the one you know in your head loves you and you love him but you've let him down you've acted like somebody who doesn't have faith and even someone who doesn't have faith has acted better than you and so you're like well he doesn't want to see me and talk to me now and I deserve to walk around with this chaos going on into my mind and in my heart I deserve this upset I don't deserve to go into his presence. And that's where his mercies are new every morning. Mercy means to give you, to not give you what you do deserve. Grace is to give you what you don't deserve, you see. So that's what God is, and he just wants to say. And as Charles uh, Spurgeon says about this invitation, he says, no doubt we can all... Uh, take heed and go into his uh, presence without fear, without difficulty because of this. It's the one verse in the Bible out of, you know, in the Gospels, you have about 89 chapters of information. And there's only one place Charles Spurgeon says that Jesus reveals who he is. What makes him tick? Oh, we infer a lot by every little detail of his life. We've got a lot of stuff of what he does. But it is, this is the kind of person I am. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's to help the sufferer without condition. The only condition is they're suffering, and they come to me. Boom. That's what I do. That's what I live for. That's who I am. That's why he says I'm gentle and lowly in heart, meaning... I'm not severe. You don't have to worry about me rolling my eyes or holding my nose while, okay, come on, you made a big mess. Come on. You know, no, no, you don't have to worry about that. He says, because I'm not severe and demanding, I'm gentle and unassuming. You'll feel safe. You will not feel intimidated. Because there's no reason to feel intimidated. Why? Because I died for anything that would separate us. I became it. I took it off of your life and put it on me and took it to the cross and then cast it into the bottom of the sea. So there is nothing that should keep you from just coming and receiving because that which you would find is an impediment to our fellowship. I became, died removed it, erased it as if it never happened. So therefore, come to me and find rest. I'll give you rest. And so this beautiful thing, 
shows us it's not about a religion. He's not saying, come to the church, as wonderful as church is. Come, come to a new way of doing things. Come to a new philosophy. Come to a new, uh, turn over a new leaf in life. Come to this, come to that. No, 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 no. Come to a person. It's all about a father who loves us, a savior with arms that want to hold you and love you with a voice that can soothe you, speak to you, and unlock things in your heart and soul and raise you to new life. This is not some dead, empty, ritualistic religion he calls us to. When Barb and I were down south, there was one renegade restaurant that said, you know what, you can eat. come in and eat. <laughs> Remember those days when we, <laughs> you could eat in a restaurant? <laughs> And so we went in and we talked uh, with the waiter. And the waiter said, well, when you're not on vacation, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, I am so glad you asked me that. <laughs> and so off I went with, oh, isn't it good to know that we have a God who loves us and, and, and he cares about us and all of this? And he goes, yeah. He goes, and his last words were, he goes, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. He walked away, and I turned to Barbara and I go, everybody needs it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what does that mean? Everybody needs it. Who wants it? I don't want it. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to light candles and do the outward things and sprinkle things all over the place and the incense and all of that. It's powerless. It doesn't unlock your soul. But he invites us to the God man who when Nathaniel met him, Philip says, hey, come on, I think we found the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, well, where's he from? And he goes, he's from Nazareth. And he goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And he goes, come and see. And so here comes Nathaniel and the God-man, not some silly religion. The God-man speaks words of life he's into Nathaniel's soul. And he says, hey, here comes a guy. He's a real Jew. He's a good guy as far as guys go. And he says, hey, Rabbi, have we met? How do you know me? And the Son of God looks into his soul and says, I saw you under the fig tree, Philip. Nathaniel, sorry. I saw you, Nate, I saw you under the tree. And uh, the favorite place for people to pray back in the day, was under fig trees, right? So there he was praying, and he's just saying, you know when you were praying? You know, and you had that little thing? I saw you. And he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of kings. And the Lord's like, whoa, hold on, buddy. You're going to see bigger things than that. You know why? Because he wasn't calling him to a routine to start being a good person. You can't be a good person. There's no such thing as a good person. You become a good person after you've met the only good person there is, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that union, the Holy Spirit starts to change us, and the Holy Spirit does the good works through us. And this is what Jesus is saying. Come to me. I'll speak into your life. You'll learn from the God who made everything and made you, and you will find rest for your soul, the beautiful picture of this great reason why you should never fear coming to him, no matter how many times you've sinned against light. 
Who doesn't sin against light? You all know better. I know better. And every time you choose to sin, you're sinning against light because you know better. He says, do you feel guilty and terrible for that? Come back to me. And guess what? I'll restore you every single time you come. Every single time you will find rest. So Luke 15, the prodigal son, he says, Dad, you know what? I wish you were dead, but since you're still alive, it would be really nice if you just gave me the money before you died. You know? And so the father gives him the inheritance and says, go. Learn the hard way. And out he goes, and he spends his inheritance on wild living, squanders it, self-absorbed, biggest brat in all of Israel. There he is. And then, of course, you know, he starts to reap the consequences of his bad actions, and he gets into the pig pen, and he's starving to death, and he wishes he could eat what the pigs are eating. And he thinks to himself, what am I doing here? I'll just go back and say a little speech to my father. At least I'll get something to eat, get cleaned up, get out of the pig pen. And that's what's motivating him, a hungry stomach. Not breaking, what have I done? I broke my father's heart. My mother crying herself to sleep every night. No, 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 no. He comes because he's hungry. And so he gets down the road. He's rehearsing his dumb little speech. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sinning against you and all of this. You know? And the father sees him, takes off like a madman, bowls him over, kisses him all over the place, just mad about his return. No, I told you so, or what have you done? Or, you know, here's a new contract for you to come home and all of this stuff. And if you think that son lived a perfect life without ever wandering again, stop it. He's got a sin nature. He's prone to wander. Lord, he feels it. Prone to leave the, God, the father he loves. Every time he wanders away and turns and comes back and says, what have I done? The righteous fall seven times. But they get up and they come and he says, welcome. Every single time. Seven times? No. 70 times, seven times, 70 times, seven times. It's not a second chance God gives us. It's an eternal chance of every time you come, you will find rest. That's who he is. And so every single time, just don't forget that. And, and notice, I will give you rest. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not a transaction, no contracts like I just said, no vows, no promises that you can't keep anyway. Stop saying I'll never do it again because you are probably going to do it or say it again. Just be real. I've blown it. I'm upset. I, I, I can't deal. I'm not handling all of this very well. I just need you and your rest. And he says, I'll give it to you. You just, just don't have to earn it. Just come. And so whether it's two adjectives there in your verse, whether it's laboring, the word for weary is like spinning the wheel, like going like a hamster on that proverbial wheel. It's the Ecclesiastes story of what is up with this world. That's crazy. It doesn't work. It's broken. 
everything's spinning around in circles. Life is like chasing the wind. Meaningless, everything. Is, is that gotten a hold of you? Or is it the other one there laboring uh, or burdened, heavy laden, and weighted down by something out of your control, like a world that calls evil good and good evil and right wrong and wrong right and corruption that vexes your soul like righteous uh, Lot who had to live in Sodom and Gomorrah Day and night, his soul was upset and tormented by the things he heard and saw. But God came to his rescue and gave him rest in the most dramatic way possible. I really want you to know if you're burdened or laboring under lost friendships or a divided family or financial woes, or loss of any kind. Jesus says, listen, you qualify for something fabulous to come to the Son of God and be restored and refreshed is the word. Yeah, and so there's only one thought in Christ's mind. When we're in discomfort of any kind, he has one thought. Come to me so I can fix it for you. That's his sole thought. That's what he does. That's who he is. He says, come to me, let me carry it. Let me take care of it. I will gladly receive you no matter the condition, the cause, the circumstance. I'm accessible to you. I'm well, I welcome you. I'm gracious. I'm gentle. There's nothing to fear because it's all taken away from you and cast to the bottom of the sea. There's nothing about you or your struggle that disqualifies you. So come. Enjoy the safety, the healing, the wholeness, the assurance, the protective love of the Most High God. And so, yes, that's what he... And then he's going to, as we go to the burden-free life now, he's going to say, listen, and if you're afraid that I'm going to replace one burden for another burden, oh, let me tell you this. Let me paraphrase 29 and 30. Submit your life to me. So to take, your, take my yoke, to take a yoke is to, to submit or to surrender your control to, to a superior, to come under, to be a servant or a slave, is to yoke yourself, right? So he says, submit to me, come under my commands, serve me as your God, and let me, let me teach you about life, the author of life, saying, ah, learn from me who you are who God is, how to live forever. And he says, no worries, I'm patient, I'm accommodating. My fuse is eternally long. And I promise your heart will be free of worry and I will ease your suffering of any kind. For my yoke is really no yoke at all. My burden is not a burden. So yeah, classic paradox here as we kind of wrap up with our last point here now, a burden-free life. Well, how is that possible? How can you have an easy yoke? There's nothing easy about being yoked, okay? Nothing uh, like a burden that's light. Where have you ever heard of that before? And so such a carefree life with peace and joy that Jesus is saying is available but then there's so many really serious demands of devotion and duty 
that Christians are called to. So how is this possible, Jesus? Well, he says, listen, to take on a yoke, let me show you the, the two oxen there. It's heavy, and they used to yoke them together. They still do for strength, you know. The bigger the yoke, the heavier it is. But it, it represented, as I said, to come under, and the Pharisees used to say to all Jews, come under the yoke of God's law. And so it was a heavy, terrible thing because the Pharisees turned relationship with God from something exciting and wonderful and freeing into a legalistic nightmare, a burden. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, you guys, you leaders are guilty of tying up tremendous bundles and putting them on people's back in the name of Yahweh. And then you don't even lift a finger to help them. And so they turned religion into a uh, turn relationship with God into a nightmare that nobody wanted. So he says, listen, I'm going to tell you about, and, and look, I've got one more picture of the, uh, a heavy burden. I mean, those animals, they, they have to pull a lot, right? And so you have the taskmaster, and so Jesus is comparing uh, the heaviness of the law and a taskmaster with, a, you know, the whip, the whole picture is there. Uh, striving more, harder, faster, and all of this stuff. And he's saying, let me tell you about a different kind of teacher, a different kind of boss, a different kind of military commander when you're a subordinate. I've got something different. And so we can go back to the verses, uh, Spencer. Sign up with me, follow me, and listen. I'm a unique kind of boss. I'm the nicest person in the world. I'm the kindest. I know you the best, and I love you the most. And everything I ever ask of you will be uh, in your best interest, everything I'm looking out for you. And guess what? Even though I'm your boss, I'll do the heavy lifting. You see? So you're not going to have a burden when you're employed, if we use that word, yoked to me you will find that it's really not heavy and it's not a burden at all. And so the, the Jews, as I said, uh, the yoke of the law was a nightmare. And most guys like Peter, James, and John is like, God's not for me. We're just fishermen. Our dads were fishermen. We, may, we work hard. We love our wives. We raise our kids to be good and dis- decent people. But God, no, no thanks. And until the God-man spoke life. And when, when, when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, are you going to leave too? You guys going to take off because of some of the hard teachings? Peter said, where else would we go? Your words, your voice, you speak eternal life. Where are we going to find that? No place other than with God. And so he says, Uh, surrender to me, and you'll find out how to live. And then he says, learn from me. Come on, learn about life from the author of life, the creator. He says, oh, you're going to learn all about what makes life work, how to be wise instead of foolish, how how to live through a pandemic or a so-called pandemic, how to respond when you're aggressed. You're just, I will teach you. And who's teaching you? Oh, the one who spoke. And the universe leapt into existence. 
the one who holds all things together by the power of his word will be your mentor. He says, anytime, day or night, you wake up at 2 in the morning with a problem, ask me, tell him. If you seek me for the wisdom, I will give the wisdom. And in James chapter 1, it says, without qualifying you. You won't have to say why you need it and how you're going to use it. Just ask me. Same in keeping with all of this other, all of these other promises. You'll learn how to over, overcome evil with good. You'll know how to respond when the government is overreaching. And when you read something that's very offensive on social media, you'll know what to do. You'll do it God's way, and you'll reap the consequences of blessing instead of stirring up the pot and making it hotter, you see. And so, yeah, there are many concerns that God's servants have, but he says, my yoke is easy. The word there means good or sweet and, and just easy. Just, yeah, to, you know, that's what he's talking about. To please God, live to please God and to bless other people. That's a sweet kind of life. And here's the reason the yoke is easy and not heavy. It's because it's a spirit-enabled life. Whatever God calls you to do, he has given us a helper. Check this out. On the night he was betrayed, at the Last Supper, he said, I'm going to send you a helper. Are you going to send me a helper? Thank you. <laughs> and I will ask the Father, listen, and he will give you another helper. What's he going to do? He's going to help you. He will be with you forever. And he goes on to say, and he'll be in you. And so this is the thing. And so this is why no Christian exhortation is hard because every single thing that God has commanded, he will enable you by his spirit. And the work of being a Christian, it's a lot of work. We labor to enter his rest. We, we work to get out of the way. We, we work to, to figure out how to quit flapping the wings and trying to get and, and learn how to soar, right? It's a lot better to be a seagull than one of those dumb ducks, uh, <laughs> right? Do it the seagull way. You use the wind, and the Holy Spirit's name is wind. And, uh, you know, you just don't see an apple tree working very hard or breaking a sweat. He produces the fruit, right? The apple tree, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace, and patience, goodness, self-control, and all of his gentleness. He says it's the fruit of the spirit. You get out of the way. That doesn't come from you. You don't have to try to manifest the Christian life with your own power. Even your thoughts, he gives you divine Weapons, they're called, to pull those thoughts down and take them captive to Jesus. And so that's the first one. The second one there, we can go back to the verse. And yeah, so the second one, there we go. My burden is light. It's light for good reason. And, you know, I was watching a little bit of my favorite Christmas movie, A Christmas Carol, with uh, George C. Scott and uh, 
love it because it's like he gets born again in the movie at the end there, you know? And as he realizes he's, he's got a second chance, he's not going to be chained eternally, forever, well-deserved. He just becomes that different person, and now he's doing some good deeds, and he's changing his life. But you, if you asked Ebenezer Scrooge, is this a big burden to change and all of that? He'd say, are you kidding me? I've been given a second chance. I have life that is really life. I could have wasted it all. I could have perished. And now everything he did from the coins, being generous and hugging people and being gentle with people, it wasn't a burden. It's a blessing. You know, I told you about that 20 years ago, I had that bone marrow transplant, two months in the hospital at UCSF, almost died. I only had a 30% chance of living. And so God's been good to me and gave me 20 years, and they say that I'm cured and all of that. But during that time, with a 10, 12, and 14-year-old kids, and my wife was struggling, there were people who came alongside they brought groceries. I was gone. They'd take our kids out, entertain them, took them to Disneyland, all kinds of things, minister to Barb in ways that I couldn't do anything. Uh, I came up short with a blood count, and they were out of platelets at UCSF, and the call went out, and a van full of people came and gave their blood to keep me alive. Do you think that anything any one of them did that would ask me and required any kind of sacrifice or work on my part would be a burden to me. I ask them to this day, what are ways I can still, I still pray for them. I still want to be a blessing to them. Why? And God has done more than that for us. So as we keep that in mind, you'll realize why Jesus will say, when you come to me and you know my love and experience my mercy on your life and given you to become an heir, a co-heir with Christ, considering what you truly deserve, that you're going to have a crown on your head and reign on a throne, then anything we do is a thank you to him, is a blessing, if not a burden I deny myself and say, oh, that feels good to deny myself only when I think that was for you, Lord. Thank you. And I imagine him on the cross dying. And look, look, here's a nice little picture of why we don't bear a heavy burden. Because he bore the burden. He carried our sin. He carried our iniquities, our infirmities. He says, oh, your burden don't have a burden. I took your burden. Now the greatest commandment for you is to love me with all your heart. Is that a burden to love somebody who loves you like that? To let the world strip him, pluck his beard out, spit in the face of the God who made everything, to flog his back and crown his head and mock him? And he held back out of love for you and me. And now he says, can I ask you a favor? Can you love me back by loving my people, helping, supporting? Can you deny yourself and not embrace the things that I died to 
keep from destroying you. I wouldn't call that a burden or heavy. I'd call that a blessing. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your great love. You've been so good to us. God, you're faithful. Help us to keep our eyes on you. To keep coming to you, no matter what. You said, God, whoever comes to me, I'll never turn them away. Period. So if we come to you, we're messed up, we're the problem. We've done it a thousand times. You said, come to me, I'll never turn you away. We just thank you for this incredible, almost sounds too good to be true, but that's it, God, your grace, your mercy, your love. Joss, win the fight. <laughs> Send your arrow, your golden arrow this way, God, until we come to you and enjoy that rest every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org. 